Welcome to the Doctority Plastic Surgery Podcast. My name is Jenna, and in this series, I'll be speaking to plastic surgery residents and giving you an inside look at what it's like to train at their institution. We'll discuss the logistics, the leadership, and the lifestyle of a plastics resident at their program. Today, I'm speaking with Dr. Alec Fisher, who's a third-year resident at Cooper University Hospital in Camden, New Jersey. Alec is originally from Los Angeles. He completed college at Johns Hopkins and medical school at Dartmouth. His academic interests include limb salvage, hand surgery, wound healing, narcotic prescribing, and pain management. Alec, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. So I'd love to start by hearing kind of a broad overview about your program at Cooper. Cooper, it's a hidden gem. It's a newer program. I was the first integrated intern to to start there. And then the program did away with the independent model the same year I, I joined because Hahnemann Hospital closed. We got one of the general surgery residents to come over since they picked up a few general surgery residents. And then we had one transfer from another program to fill uh, the fourth year spot. So now we're a full complement of uh, six residents. Our chief right now is the last of the independent model. And after that, it'll be all integrated from here out. So you do take one a year currently? Yeah, we take one a year. We primarily are at one hospital and have one outpatient surgery center. And then we do rotations with the cosmetic private practice providers in the community. And how much plastics experience do you get across the first three years? So our first year, we have six months on plastic surgery. Our second year, we have three months on plastic surgery. And then our third year, I believe, is eight months of plastic surgery. So quite a lot. Those plastic surgery years also include our hand surgery year because we have a combined orthopedic and plastics hand service. And what's the experience like when you're on some of those non-plastics rotations? I think like anywhere, it's variable. But for the most part, it's pretty good. People are generally happy to have a plastics resident. I just finished a month with vascular, and they were pretty happy to have me close all their wounds and change all their wound vacs when I had some free time. But it was really good, and they showed me how to expose vessels in exchange. So I think overall, our away rotations are pretty valuable. So can you tell me a bit about like the layout and what you see at your main hospital? Our main hospital, I believe it's just under 700 beds, and we have 30-something operating rooms between a same-day suite and then two inpatient operating room suites, each with uh, 12 operating rooms. So it's a very busy hospital. I think the biggest draw for us and our our own cases and productivity is we're the Northeastern MD Anderson Cancer Center. So we have a large surgical oncology team, orthopedic oncology team, and breast surgery team. So we have an extremely high volume of breast reconstruction and a very interesting and high volume of extremity and trunk cancer reconstruction from our orthopedic oncologists. Additionally, our hospital is the only level one trauma center in the southern half of New Jersey. So our catchment area is the entire southern half of the state. So we see literally every trauma that is too hard to manage at a level two or level three center. So we get a lot of really fascinating trauma reconstructions and facial traumas and hand traumas. 
And how is your pediatric craniofacial experience? It will be forthcoming. CHOP is right across the river and they are quite a large craniofacial center. So we have a unique craniofacial experience. We don't do any vault remodeling in our hospital. We do have a considerable amount of cleft lip and palate, and we'll get to scrub as a second or third year one-on-one with the attending and really get to be hands-on on those cases, which is great because Dr. Matthews does a ton of cleft lip and palate work in the community. But we do not have a pediatric neurosurgeon, so we don't do any vault remodeling. So we spend a month at CHOP during our fifth year for that experience. So your main site is the Cooper University Hospital, and then you do some rotations with private practice people in the community? Yeah, we rotate on aesthetics, I think, for a total of four months throughout our training, but you can use your elective time to uh, rotate with them as well. And there's four community private practice surgeons that we work with and scrub with, and they let us get pretty hands-on with cosmetic cases and are are really fantastic. One of the guys trained with Rod Rorick. One of the guys did his general surgery training at Cooper. So they're all very, you know, happy to have us and teach us. And since you mentioned the elective time, like how much of that do you get and when do you get that? We have one month as a fourth year, one month as a fifth year, and one month as a sixth year. So three months of elective time. Our current fourth year is interested in our gender-affirming surgery. So she's spending a month in New York coming this, I think, October to learn more about bottom surgery, phalloplasties, and vaginoplasties. And our current fifth year is really gung-ho about hand and microsurgery. So he's spending a month at Bunky Clinic come this January. And then our current chief took a job with some of the community private practice groups. So he is going to be spending his month training with his future employer. What is the current experience you get with gender affirmation surgery at your program? We're in the works trying to develop a bottom gender affirming surgery program at Cooper. Dr. Bonowitz is one of our attendings. He has experience with genital reconstruction. He was on the team who did the first penis transplant. So I think he would like to bring that to Cooper. However, we currently don't have the urologists who are capable and willing to do that with us. So that doesn't exist at Cooper yet, but I think that will probably come as the years go on. And we do have a pretty significant gender-affirming top surgery program. One of our breast surgeons is very involved with gender-affirming mastectomies. Are there any opportunities for global health rotations or short-term mission trips? Yeah, again, our program is pretty new, so we don't have anything established, but you can certainly uh, do that during your elective months. Dr. Matthews has some experience with uh, Project Smile, so I think it's welcomed, but nobody has done it yet. Not to say it can't happen. Are there any fellows that you work with? Yeah, that's a huge advantage to Cooper. There are no fellows, although honestly, we could support one to two micro fellows at our program. We get a lot of microsurgery experience early, and we have a, a large volume because of all of our complex reconstruction. It's great because there are no fellows, there's no competition for any of those cases. 
we're doing microsurgery as twos and even helping out as ones. So it's pretty great. Under the scope? I did a couple nerves under the scope as an intern. I didn't do any arteries or veins, I don't think. I started doing veins as a two. And towards the end of my second year, I was uh, starting to do a couple arterial anastomoses. But as a three, I feel very comfortable doing arterial anastomoses by myself. And can you walk me through a call across the years? Our intern takes a separate call than everyone else. So let's start with intern year call. When you're on a service that doesn't have you take call, which is almost the entire year, uh, you take call with plastic surgery two Saturdays a month in-house 24 hours. So you arrive usually at seven to round with a senior resident. And then you stay in-house, the senior resident can take home call, and the agreement is you call the senior resident for most things, and all consults are seen with the senior resident or discussed with the senior resident before the attending gets involved. That's your intern year, it's this buddy call. Then starting your second year, you take independent call, and it's home call. And that can be anywhere from... Q5 to to Q3, depending on rotations and and whatnot, if some people are out of the call schedule. We split up the weekends, so there's a Friday-Sunday person and a Saturday person. So in your more senior years, your four, five, and six years, you can expect to only have one weekend on call a month. So then the question of call is like, how difficult is your call or how busy is your call? And that's determined by what we're on call for. Like most programs, we take face call the first half of the month. So the first through the 15th, and then the back half is taken by OMFS. And then we take hand call every weekend and orthopedics takes it every weeknight. So back half of the month, weeknights, you're only on call for plastics. So unless it's a flap issue or, or a post-operative issue, you can expect to sleep. First half of the month on a weekend during the summer when you're on for a hand face and plastics at a level one trauma center, you can get pretty busy and struggle to find time to take a rest. But it's great. All the consults you get are pretty interesting and educational. Do you get a post-call day? Yeah, I think that's a huge draw to our program. And one of the most awesome things is, and one of the reasons why I'm able to talk to you right now and play guitar right now is every post-call day, you have to leave the hospital by noon. And if there's nothing going on, you can leave earlier than that. And the agreement is that you use that time to study or or catch up on research or, or whatnot. Personally, my Mondays, I like to take off for myself if I'm on call Sunday, go to the gym, wellness. It's awesome. Seriously, like all of us, our fourth year has almost met her numbers. Our fifth year has met his numbers. Our sixth year has met their numbers. Even with that post-call day, it doesn't matter. We operate a ton and uh, we never violate 80 hours because of that rule. And we have a busy call. There's no way around it. But because of that must leave the hospital by noon rule makes residency pretty manageable. And what is the mid-level support? We have two PAs who are inpatient. We have a nurse practitioner who is predominantly outpatient, but sometimes scrubs cases with one of our attendings who does predominantly non-autologous breast reconstruction. So we meet those numbers pretty quickly. So it's good to have P 
PAs and MPs help us cover those cases. And how would you say your program manages resident autonomy? Resident, like operative autonomy, is definitely given to you. Some attendings give you the reins really early and you're very scared and they ask you to do something like, I've never done that before. And then some definitely have in their mind a structure of where you should be when and get you there. One of our microsurgeons has been great with me. We did some work on a, a like a chicken during a micro sim lab. And she said, you're ready to do this. And the next flap we did together, she let me do the whole thing. So I think you definitely earn it and the attendings make judgment that's safe for the patient. But operative autonomy is huge, especially as early years. Like our intern, we did an ALT. I was doing the microanastomosis and our intern was closing the leg by himself. And he's been a resident for two months. So it's great. I think we get a lot of operative experience and that is pretty spectacular at our program. And what are the research expectations like and opportunities available? The expectations for research are low. They'll probably change the expectation. It's just the only expectation is that you are first author on one manuscript in a PubMed index journal before you graduate. And I think everyone has met that for the most part already, other than maybe our intern, but he'll meet it soon because we do have a lot of great opportunities to do research in whatever field we choose. Dr. Matthews does a good amount of cleft research, and I've done some cleft outcome research with her. Dr. Franco and Dr. Jarrett are hand surgeons, and then there's their teammates are two orthopedic hand surgeons, both of which are very research inclined, one of which has a rat nerve lab, which I've done some research in. And of course, there's MD Anderson Breast Cancer Center, which gives you access to enormous databases and you can do as much reconstruction or breast outcomes research as your heart desires. So I think our whole resident team has been pretty academically focused. And since we've taken over as a integrated program, the research coming out of Cooper has significantly increased, and I think it will continue to do so because our faculty is all on board and giving us a ton of opportunity. And what kind of support is available either when you're like putting together your research, like stats or help with writing or lit search or whatever, and then also once you're ready to present like at a conference? We have two or three statisticians that are designated to the Cooper Surgery Department, so we can always ask them for help with statistics. If you do research with the orthopedic department, they have an entire research team who sometimes, if you let them loose, they'll pretty much finish projects for you if you have an idea. So I think the, the support for research is tremendous. It's just a matter of asking the right people or finding the right people to help you get it done. Our IRB team is extremely helpful. They get our IRBs through pretty quickly. For presentations, usually we do a mock presentation in our academic conference prior to the presentation itself so that you're well-prepared and rehearsed prior to uh, presenting anywhere. And how about financial support for like going to a conference? All podium papers are covered in full by the program. I don't know if there's a limit to that, but the five and the six are allowed to go to one conference 
a year that's totally funded and you don't even have to present for that. But if you're more junior than that, the five or the six, and you have a podium presentation, it's covered by the department. And you're not sure if there's any kind of limitation on how many conferences you could go to if you're presenting? I don't know the limit because of COVID. So again, because our our program is new and we've recently buffed up our research a lot and then COVID hit. So there were all these virtual presentations. And I know a lot of us presented at a lot of different conferences virtually, but the pricing was different. So I'm not really sure once conferences are back in person and full force, I'm not really sure what the, the cap is. I'd have to look that up. And are there any other particularly awesome perks you'd like to share? We have a lot of perks at Cooper, which is awesome. The biggest one that I'm thinking about is we just got a a workroom. So each of us have our own desk, which is pretty amazing. And our workroom's like right next to the cafeteria. And we get a food stipend. So so life is, is pretty good right now. We also have a call room in addition to that with a comfy bed in case we need to sleep. So that's been pretty nice. We get... Pretty nice home scrubs that we wear. The operative scrubs at Cooper are standard blue, but we get these black scrubs with lots of pockets to take in and out of the uh, hospital. The program pays for your loops, your PGY, at the end of your PGY one year. They give you, I think, 1500 towards your loops, and you can choose whatever type you want. So if you want a headlamp and panoramic, I think you have to pay a little bit, but they cover pretty much all the costs. My loops were free. Free parking, like right in the hospital. Food stipend, which is great. We have a micro simulation lab. We do that probably once a quarter. We have a resident injection clinic, which is great. Once a quarter where we get to do filler and Botox. One awesome thing that I almost forgot to mention, but really want to bring up is we have resident camaraderie day. And it's every fifth Thursday of, of a month. So it happens about three or four times a year where at noon, all of the residents are dismissed from clinical duty until only the on-call resident has to come back at 6 p.m. And then the agreement is that we hang out and do something. So we have a lot of fun adventures together as a group. I think a thing that probably a lot of programs have because you spend so much time with your co-residents, but we're a pretty tight-knit bunch and we have a lot of fun together and we all know each other really well since we hang out together and we're always operating together. It's great to be in a program with with five really good friends. Going back to the injectables clinic for a second, when do you first start getting to do that? And is there also like a cosmetic clinic where you can actually book full cases? Our resident injection clinic is once a quarter and you start that as an intern and everyone shows up and we book patients all day long, and uh, we have usually one to two attendings oversee it, and we have patients come in, they pay a small copay, which goes to facility fees, and they can get unlimited Botox and filler products, and we get experience injecting first month of intern year, or whenever the first clinic is. So that's pretty great, and we have a chief resident clinic, which is every Friday from 8 to noon, and they can book cosmetic cases and we'll sometimes come in if it's a quiet Friday, pretty rare. We'll go with the chief resident to his clinic and or her clinic when the time comes. And 
see patients and get involved in some of those cosmetic cases. Usually there's a slot open as well on those Fridays for any of the other residents to book a quote-unquote VIP patient for injectables as well. I can say this because my mom has told me I can. I do her Botox and filler and I just slide her into a Friday spot and it's good for her. She really likes it and makes her happy. And what area of plastic surgery would you say residents come out with the strongest experience in upon graduation? Definitely breast reconstruction, general head-to-toe, like complex reconstruction, and, and hand surgery. Those are the Cooper Strong suits. I think anyone from our program without a fellowship could start doing microsurgery pretty comfortably. I think everyone could take hand and face call pretty comfortably without additional training from our program. We would definitely need a fellowship if we wanted to do cosmetic surgery, just because I think, honestly, any program is probably like that, except for a handful. And I think if we wanted to do craniofacial, we would definitely need advanced training. And how would you improve your program? It's a hard question to answer, and I don't mean to say, like, my program's perfect, but I think an important thing to recognize is my program's young and flexible. So... If there's seriously a problem that I see or another resident sees, we talk about it and make it a reality. Our cosmetic experience wasn't great two years ago, and we got involved with more people in the community and increased the amount of months residents have on aesthetics. So that was a problem. Now it's not. I think that's one of the beautiful, awesome, and poetic things about joining a program that's young is you can shape it how you want it to be. And I think I personally have invested a lot in this program and, you know, hopefully improved it for the next people to come and and train there. It has a lot of plasticity. Yeah, I like that. I'm going to steal that pun from you. Now I'd love to hear about your program leadership. So your chief and your PD. Our division head is Dr. Stephen Bonowitz. He did a craniofacial fellowship at medical College of Wisconsin after residency, and then he did private practice in Maine for 15 years. After that, he joined faculty at Pittsburgh and did a lot of microsurgery and head and neck reconstruction there. And then he went from there to Johns Hopkins, where he again did a lot of microsurgery, did a lot of VCA research in their pig lab. He did the first penis transplant there. And then from there, he came to be the division head at, at Cooper five to seven years ago, before my time. He, he was there. He has been a big driver of improving our program, as well as our, our program director, Dr. Nicole Jarrett. She did the lion's share of her training at Pittsburgh. She did a hand fellowship there as well. And then she started uh, practicing hand surgery at Cooper right out of fellowship. And she has been at Cooper maybe seven years or so. She's been our program director for the past three years. So when I started, she took over as program director. And she has done an awesome job going to bat for us, getting us what we need, and really beefing up our program. And she deserves all the praise in the world for how much work she's put into our program. And what kind of a role do residents play in department decision-making when it comes to picking new residents? A large part, definitely for picking our chief and our five, the rising chief, interview 
residents directly. And the rest of us hang out, give hospital tours, get to meet the residents. And then there's always a time for us to have a discussion with the uh, faculty ultimately makes the decision. In terms of faculty, we just had a recent faculty hire, and I can't speak for the other residents, but I personally did not have any say in it. I don't think that's my place. Our newest hire is Dr. Lino Miele from Allegheny and St. Luke's Hospital. He is fantastic so far. So I'll say good job to my attendings and if any of my co-residents had a say in that. How does your program or hospital promote diversity and inclusion and or help you develop into a culturally competent resident? We have a pretty large diversity and inclusion committee at Cooper, and a lot of the surgeons play quite a big role in that, as well as the ACGME. I really wish I could phone a friend. The second-year resident, Dr. India Jones, she is on that committee, and she does a lot of work for diversity and inclusion in the hospital as a whole. So we have very diverse patient population. We have an increasingly diverse faculty. Of note, the majority of our attendings are female, which is great. And I think we have a small program, but it's becoming increasingly diverse. And not to say we're doing it perfectly. Everyone can improve, but I just don't know the interworkings of the diversity and inclusion committee, the way my co-residents do. There's been a lot of new and diverse faculty hires across the hospital as a whole. The goal is to have our hospital reflect the diversity of our patient population, and we're coming to realize that that's a great thing and working towards that. And I know you touched a little bit on the relationships and the camaraderie amongst the residents, but if you could just go into that a little bit more, like what do you guys like to do together? How do you support each other? Oh, yeah. Support is tremendous. We always have each other's backs. We have an independent hour of study every uh, conference Tuesday. So we usually do like group studying and teach each other. And then we get to operate together a lot, juniors and seniors. So the seniors are always teaching us juniors how to do certain things. And then, like I said, we have our camaraderie day, which happens about three to four times a year. We've done a lot of fun things. We've done a river float, like a lazy river. We've gone to Top Golf. We went bowling at one of our attendings' family's bowling alley. We went to a gun range. We went shooting once. That was exciting. I don't know if I'm so into guns, but it was funny. We get to hang out quite a bit. And then we'll usually meet too for rep dinners. Every chance we can get to, to all hang out and get together is a great one. Dr. Matthews, one of our attendings, has a a great apartment in Philadelphia, and she'll have us over for educational dinner probably five or six times a year where we'll pick a one of the ASPS broadcasts or an interesting lecture, and she'll play it, and then we'll eat dinner together and talk about it. So we get to hang out a lot. We're all pretty good friends. One other exciting thing we did was our current fourth year, Atlee, she just got married, and the orthopedics team picked up our hand call during her wedding and our intern was held down the fort with one of our attendings so that all of us could go to her wedding at the same time which was really fun to to celebrate her and her husband how many programs would do that any particular like pros or cons of having the combined like plastics ortho hand service you want to mention 
I think there's a lot of pros and not very many cons because it eliminates all the turf wars, right? Like where does hand end? Where does, you know, what about a both bone forearm fracture? And this combined orthoplastics hand service just takes care of almost all upper extremity defects. Humerus fractures and shoulder and clavicle fractures are done by the two orthopedic hand surgeons on that service. And then lower extremity free flaps and upper extremity free flaps are done by the two plastics attendings on that service. So it's a really, it's really great and a really fluid service. One of them operates each day of the week and they just pass each other cases fluidly. And I think that culture amongst the attendings has trickled down to the residents. So we sign out every week with our orthopedic team who's mostly on the service. And then we also rotate on that service quite a bit. So when we do, we get to hang out, work, and team up with our orthopedic colleagues who become our friends pretty quickly because it's such a small hospital. And what are some qualities of an applicant who would fit well? It's so hard to say for sure. I think the most important qualities that we look for are somebody who's excited about the work, excited to be at Cooper, ready to, to take on challenges and learn from their mistakes somebody who's honest and somebody who's who's fun to be around. That's a personal preference. I I think all of our residents have, are are really cool and I'm so grateful for that and I hope we we keep that up. I know we'll keep that up. We we have a really great crew and I'm really excited to meet whoever we bring on this coming year. Is there any plan to expand to more than one resident per year? Our program as a whole is expanding, but I think it needs to expand top-down first. We're currently looking to hire another microsurgeon and possibly another breast surgeon. If that happens, there is talks of us increasing to two residents per year. There's also murmurs that we could take a hand or a microfellow, and some people would be wary of that, but I think... Honestly, we could use the help. We have the volume to support two residents a year plus a micro and a hand fellow, and everyone would get their cases and numbers, no problem. We have to turn down a lot of cases, and our faculty will operate alone pretty frequently because there's so much to do. I hope we do expand. I think we will in time. We probably won't have another resident or like two residents a year, probably for, if I had to guess, two years or three years. But I definitely see that in the cards. And now we'll talk a bit more about resident lifestyle. So do most own or rent? So because of where our hospital is, you can live in either Philadelphia or New Jersey. So it's really up to you and what you want. People who live in New Jersey tend to buy or own more because it's more like a a suburb type community around Camden. And those people or whoever lives there usually has a house, a bit more land, maybe pets. And then the folks who live in Philadelphia tend to rent. Our intern just bought a house in New Jersey. I live in an apartment in Fishtown. Two of our other residents live in apartments in Philadelphia. And then our other two senior residents own places on the New Jersey side. So it's really a mix and it's really whatever you want, which is pretty nice. And what's the breakdown of residents being single, married, and having kids? All of the residents actually, interestingly, are coupled up. The majority of us are married. 
and two are engaged. So four married, two engaged, which is pretty funny. I think that's just coincidence. I don't think that's like a, a Cooper selection thing. No kids amongst residents yet. Our chief that just graduated had a kid his chief year. So it might be a little hard to comment on like how the program would support someone who's having a kid or has kids or maternity, paternity benefits. So that's not the program per se. Our ACGME has, and because of the new regulations, I think it's through the American Board of Plastic Surgery, the ACGME, there's an extended maternity leave that you can take while still graduating on time. And our program is in full support of that. Our program director has has a young child. She had a child um, last year. And so she really values us having kids if if we are to. And uh, we would definitely be supported with as much time as we were needed and allowed. And is it necessary to have a car? Yes, it's necessary to have a car in this program because we operate at an outpatient surgery center 20 minutes away from the hospital. And we also go into the like clinics and private practice offices, which are scattered throughout New Jersey. Some of the general surgery residents can get away without a car and take the PATCO line, which runs from Philadelphia to the hospital. But because we operate in so many different places, we're required to have a car. And what do you like about living in or around Camden? So I live in Philadelphia. I think it's awesome. There's so much to do in the city. There's running trails. I live across the street from a brewery. I live next to a giant dog park. I have two dogs. My wife is a private chef, and she's in a noodle club and cooks all around the city. So it's definitely a big foodie town, and we have uh, discovered that. There's, there's an awesome concert venue that's down the street from where I live. My neighborhood's very up-and-coming. It has a lot of street festivals or street parties. So there's so much to do on your time off. Now in the tail end of summer, we've been going to the beach or the lazy river. The beach is 40 minutes away from us. So there's a lot to do around here when we have time off. So there's never a moment where I'm bored, I'd say. I've never been to Philly, so I did not know that they are like right next to each other. Yeah, I live in Philly and work in Camden and my commute is 10 to 12 minutes in and like 15 minutes home, just depending on how much traffic is on the Ben Franklin Bridge. But seriously, door to door is like 12 minutes. So it's really nice, especially when we take home call. So I think that is pretty much everything I wanted to talk about today. Any final thoughts about your program or the overall process of choosing a residency? Choosing a residency is, it's hard, right? Like, it's a really long relationship. You're with this program for, for six years as an integrated plastics resident. And for me, it was really exciting to go to a new program because I was able to learn and grow while the program also learned and grew for me as the first integrated resident there. And I think wherever you go, there's going to be challenges and there's going to be moments of glory. And just enjoy the, the crazy ride that is uh, applying and getting in. It's a tough process, and I wish everyone all the best. And I don't think there's any one thing that you'll hear that will make it easier. I think uh, you got to work hard, and you got to really want this. And I think if you have the vision, you'll get there. It's just a matter of when.
And any like single best piece of advice for someone for interviews this fall? I would say really don't be scared to ask hard questions for the programs because as much as you want to get in as competitive as it is, like I said, it's six years somewhere. And when I interviewed at Cooper, I had a lot of questions because they've never had an integrated resident before. But because of the way they answered them, they showed me that they're they're ready for this and this is a place to seriously come and train. So I signed up, I ranked the program really highly and was really excited when I matched. And I'm just so fortunate to be at this program and I really, I love going to work every day. So I'd say don't be afraid to ask tough questions and really try and get a feel for the program, not just for the, the name or the clout, but really ask yourself, can you live at this program for six years? And how could interested applicants find out more about your program? There's some information on the, the website. There's like a little meet the residents blurb. And then all of us are pretty open to, to talk to people. It's just our last name, hyphen, first name at cooperhealth.edu. I'm happy to take emails. You can share my contact information if someone wants to chat. I think it is a tough process. And if it helps you to talk to somebody who's been through it, I'm happy to share my time with you. Thank you, Alec, so much for speaking with me today. Yeah, of course. Thanks for having me and best of luck this year. I really wish you all the best. Thank you for listening to the Doctority Plastic Surgery Podcast. Never miss an episode by subscribing to our show via your favorite podcast service and following us on Instagram and Twitter. For more podcast episodes and residency information, check out our website, doctority.co. That's drity.co. We love feedback from listeners, so please contact us through the website or through social media with your questions or suggestions. See you next time.